Hey, it's so good to be with you guys tonight. I'm excited to be with you as you start off your week of prayer. Uh, it was really an honor to be invited to, to come and speak to you tonight. And as I was preparing and thinking about this, I, I thought about how cool it was because um, it was when I was in college that I saw the power of prayer at work. And so, um, and I'll share with you in a moment what that, what that looked like for me, but I grew up in a Christian home, and, and I had always seen prayer as something that was important and things, but when I got to college, something happened in my college experience through the power of prayer that, that changed my life. And so I was thinking about how cool it is that I got invited to speak to you while you're in your college experience about the power of prayer. I attended SUNY Oswego. I'm not an EBINC alum, uh, which is unusual for people around here who come and speak. But I, I have a little bit different story. I went to SUNY Oswego, a state school. And um, when I went there, I had heard about this ministry on campus called BASIC. And if you're not familiar with BASIC, BASIC is um, clubs that happen on campuses uh, all over New York State. On about 30 different college campuses, there are BASIC groups where students can come and engage with other people and learn about God and grow in their faith while they're away at school. And so I had heard about BASIC. In fact, my parents had been involved in it when, I was, when they were younger. And so I had decided I'm going to go and check out the BASIC group at, at Oswego. And so I showed up. Uh, for the very first meeting of that school year to, to the basic meeting, and they had about eight people in this really small room, and it was really awkward, <laughs> and, and I was like, I, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> and uh, thankfully, I met a couple people there that I felt like hey, maybe I could be friends with these people, and so I decided to keep giving it a try and keep coming back. Well, within a couple weeks of, of going, uh, myself and a couple of those people that I had started to become friends with, we decided that we were going to start praying for our campus uh, outside of the basic meetings once a week because we really wanted to see God move on our campus. And so we put together our own little prayer meeting. And the first one that we did, there were four of us. Very small little prayer meeting. But we just had a sense in our hearts that God was going to move on our campus. And so we just began meeting on our own, seeking the Lord, asking him to do something on our school. And, uh, you know, something that's really awesome about prayer is that it moves the heart of God, but when you start praying, it also moves your heart. And that's what God began to do. He began to show us, like, hey, I want to do something at Oswego, but I want to use you to be a part of that. And so he began stirring our hearts, and as time went on, we started inviting people to come to the basic group. We started stepping out in boldness and, and sharing the gospel with people, and our prayer meetings started growing to the point where we were spending hours in worship and prayer outside of basic, just going after it and asking God to move. And, and we'd be staying up late into the night with people on campus who didn't know Jesus and getting into deep conversations with them about God and what does it look like. And I, I didn't have any understanding of how to have those conversations. We just figured it out as we went. <laughs> and God was speaking through it. And uh, we were having these late night conversations and people were coming to know Jesus. And by the time I got to my junior year, that little group of eight had grown to over 60. And we had become the largest club on campus. Not the largest Christian club, the largest club on campus. And so I believe so much in the power of prayer because I've seen how God moves through our, through our prayers. How when we come to him, when we lay ourselves down at his feet and we say, God, come and do something in us. Come and do something through us. He moves mightily. 
And so I'm excited, like I said, to talk to you while you're at college after I had that experience when I was in college. And my message tonight, the title's pretty simple. It's prayer, first, always, best. Now that's not some weird sentence structure, okay? You'll see that there's, there's commas in between those words. Those are three characteristics that I want you to remember about prayer. And it's not just simple. Hopefully it's very easy for you to remember too. Prayer, first, always, best. Prayer should be our first resort. We should always be praying, and prayer is our best option. Okay, it's that simple, so I think I'm good. I'll see you guys later. No, I'm just kidding. We're going we're gonna to go deeper into each one of those tonight, but uh, it's just that simple, and I felt like this was a good way God was speaking to me about, this is a good way to start off the week here. And, and we're going to look at the life of Daniel tonight. Daniel is one of my favorite characters in the Bible, He's a guy who just had some interesting things going on. <laughs> he, he had some of the craziest stories. Obviously, there's this, the Bible is packed with, with people who encountered all these different things and stuff. But, but Daniel was this guy who just really stood out to me in a lot of ways. And, and uh, I, I was thinking about Daniel as I was preparing this. And I thought about how Daniel is famous for praying. Have you ever thought about that before? You're like, no, Chris, he's not famous for praying. He's famous for the lion's den. <laughs> you know, most of us heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den growing up. And, and you know, we think about, I, I remember as a kid thinking about that story, and all the focus for me was on the lions, right? Like, you go to the zoo as a kid, and you see the big lions, and you go, wow, those are scary. And I can't imagine being in a pit with lions. But we forget that the whole reason that Daniel was in the pit with the lions was because he refused to stop praying. That's what landed him there, right? And so as kids, we kind of miss the point of the story sometimes. We put all the emphasis on the lions and how scary that was and God delivering him. And, and that was really good. But the fact is, Daniel risked his life in order to pray. It was that important to him. Daniel was famous for prayer. I think it's quite possible to say we would never have heard of Daniel if he didn't have such a strong prayer life. And that's kind of what I want to dive into tonight. We're going to look at a couple different places in the book of Daniel. But what we're going to see is this, this regular theme that Daniel was a man of prayer. And that centered him on everything else that he did in his life. So we're going to look at prayer first, always, and best. In Daniel chapter 2, a Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. We've all heard this story, right? Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he wants to know what the dream means. And so he, he calls together all his wise men, except Daniel isn't there for some reason. I don't understand why, because he was considered one of the wise men. But he calls together the, these wise men, and he says, I want you to tell me the meaning of my dream. And they say, well, well, then tell us the dream. He says, no, no, no. I want you to tell me the dream, and then tell me the meaning of the dream. There was no fake in it till you make it with Nebuchadnezzar, right? <laughs> he was like, no, 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 I want you to tell me. I don't want to, I want to make sure you're not messing around, you're not just coming up with something. I want you to tell me the dream and then tell me the meaning of it. And none of them could do it, right? And so King Nebuchadnezzar decides, I'm going to kill all the wise men because these guys are useless. And word gets back to Daniel that this is what's going to happen. And Daniel says, wait a minute. <laughs> Before that happens, let's go to God here. And uh, he, he tells Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, we later know them by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
to pray and ask God for mercy. This is in Daniel chapter 2. In verse 17, it says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So, so Daniel is in this land where the, he has these other Israelite men who are with him. And the first thing that he does when this problem comes up is he gathers those guys together and he says, we need to seek the Lord. We need to pray. That's the only way that we're going to be able to save uh, ourselves. But the only way that we're going to be able to save all these wise men, it's the only way that, that King Nebuchadnezzar is going to get the answers that he's looking for. I, I love that when Daniel was faced with a problem, his first response was to go to the Lord in prayer. He didn't try to figure out how he could fix it himself. He didn't try to flee the country. I think some of us would have probably done that if we were in Daniel's position, right? Like, how can I get out of here? <laughs> I'm worried about what's going on. He didn't sit and whine about how unfair it was that the, kingdom, that the king was doing this. No, he stopped and he prayed. <clears throat> Prayer first. That's what he turned to in a moment of crisis and we see this throughout the scriptures with other characters as well, right? Like Jesus prayed for hours before going to the cross. We were just singing about the cross. He spent hours in prayer before he went to the cross. He prayed first. The disciples were praying before the Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost, right? And so it's shown to us many times throughout the Bible, prayer first. You know, my wife and I, we were talking about my family. I have three kids. My wife and I, you know, things come up. When you have kids, when you have a wife and you have a job and different things come up. And, and when things come up, all of a sudden, that need to be dealt with or that's an emergency or something like that, I always want my first response to be, let's pray. Most of the time, I'm happy to say I get it right. <laughs> but the times when I don't get it right... I realize that anxiety is rising up in me, like, right? Like worry, anxiety, fear, all these things that, that want to come upon us when we don't go to prayer first. One of the first things I heard God say to me when I was getting ready to become the director of BASIC back in 2017 was, the future of BASIC will be built on a foundation of prayer. You see, prayer lays a foundation for the rest of our lives. It's why it's supposed to be first in our lives. Instead of going after other things, instead of letting our mind and our hearts get caught up in all kinds of other feelings and emotions, we need to go to prayer first. It sets the tone for everything else in our lives. Martin Luther, the great reformist, you've probably learned about him. He pinned the, hammered the theses on his door. He, he threw everything up in chaos in the Catholic Church, right? This guy loved God. And, and this is what Martin Luther said. Look at this quote. I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Does that wreck anybody else a little bit? <laughs> oh my gosh, that challenges me, man. When I get up in the morning and I have a lot to do, and there's thoughts going through my mind and it's all jumbled, I don't say to myself like, oh, I'm going to go spend three hours in prayer. Right? Anybody here? holy enough? Okay. Yeah, I didn't think so. So, <laughs> right? Like, that is not our first reaction most of the time. And yet I love that that's Mar what Martin Luther's approach was. This guy was a devout man of God. And we can learn something from him here. He says, I have so much to do. The first thing I'm going to do is go spend hours in prayer. Wow. 
You see, trying to live a life for God without prayer is like trying to drive a car with no brakes or accelerator. You're not going to get anywhere, really. <laughs> you can't get going in a car if you don't have an accelerator. And so you can't get going on the right things, the things that God has for you, if you're not spending time in prayer first. And you can't stop to avoid danger without breaks. And prayer is the same way. Prayer stops us from the things that would come along that would try to, to mislead us, to take us down the wrong path, to distract us in some way. And so prayer is the accelerator and the brakes in our lives if we're comparing it to a car. We need prayer first, always, and best. Prayer is best. Let's look at always. As we continue on in Daniel's life, now we're going to get to that, that part about the lion's den that I was talking about earlier in Daniel chapter 6. And, and we know the story, right, that... Uh, the, there were men in the land, leaders in the land, who really were jealous of Daniel. And they were upset that he got promoted after that whole situation with the dream thing, right? And that he was getting favored by the king. And so they came to the king and they said, we want to pass a law, king, because you are so mighty and you're so great. Like, they just talked him up, right? <laughs> you should pass a law that no one can worship or pray to another god except for you. And they knew that they were going to try and trap Daniel, right? And so they get him to pass this law. And I love Daniel's response. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, when he, when he heard that it was signed into law, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Daniel, man... He is bold. <laughs> He's a little out there, right? Like, he hears that he could be killed for this. And what's the first thing Daniel does? He goes upstairs, he opens his windows, and he gets down and he prays. He's not only, like, going to continue praying. He's like, and you're going to see me do it. <laughs> you're going to see me do it. I'm going to keep praying to my God, and I'm not even going to hide what I'm doing. Here's the thing, it wasn't like a sudden burst of energy in prayer because the circumstances were difficult. This thing's falling on me, sorry. It wasn't like a sudden burst of energy because the circumstances were difficult and his life was in danger. It was his continual practice. You know, I just talked about how Daniel prayed first when something came up, but this passage in Daniel 6 also shows us that Daniel was always praying. Right? It says this was his continual practice. As he had done previously, he would pray at least three times a day, every day. This was his lifestyle. And, and, and just to be clear, it wasn't like a praying for the meal kind of prayer, like we do when we pray three times a day. No, it was actual, like, in-depth praying and going to the Lord, uh, asking him to move. And, and we'll see that later. But he, he was a man of prayer. This is how he modeled his life. He had this incredible lifestyle. And thinking about this, uh, it reminded me of that other famous scripture about prayer, pray without ceasing. Is anyone else ever a little intimidated by that scripture? Pray without ceasing? It's like, God, like, how, how does that work? Like, I have to be praying when I'm sleeping? I have to be praying when, like, I'm going throughout my day? Like, how do I get stuff done? If I'm supposed to pray without ceasing, like, I don't, I don't understand this, right? <laughs> but I, I think the reason that that feels intimidating is because we, we tend to think of prayer as it has to be this thing where we, 
set aside a certain amount of time and we get the atmosphere just right, quiet enough. Maybe it's when our roommate leaves for the day and we can finally focus kind of thing. We, we got to get that perfect worship music picked out so it's just, it's just everything is just right. But that's not what, what this is talking about when it says pray without ceasing, right? It's talking about a continual conversation with God. Like, it, it, it's not something where you have to be constantly, you know, in prayer, down on your knees, begging, out, crying out to God kind of thing. But it, it can be little spurts of conversation with God throughout your day. And times where you're saying, God, just come and speak to me. It can be when you're walking to class, you say, God, I just love you so much. I'm so thankful for a new day with you. What do you want to show me today? God, help me on this exam. I'm sure we've all prayed that prayer at one time or another, right? <laughs> but, but we make it into this big thing. And, and, and I want you to know, God is not some high maintenance date that needs everything to be perfect for him. He literally bled out for you. I don't always go with these headset mics, and this is exactly why. <laughs> we'll make it work. He literally bled out for you. You know, if you care about those things, like getting the worship music right and this and that, then go for it. Like, if that helps you focus, that's fine. But, but what he is interested in is just being with you. And, and I also want to say, if that's you, if, if you feel this strong desire of everything has to be just right for your prayer time, then the question I have for you tonight is, who told you that? Because the God that I see in the Bible is the one who is always reaching out to us. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for a heart after him. That's who he is, and that's what he's looking for. And prayer is meant to be a conversation with God. It's meant to be this thing where we're talking to him, but we're also open to listening to him. You know, prayer is not a telephone call. When you, when you get a telephone call, you say goodbye at the end and you hang up. But that's not how prayer is meant to work. That's not how a relationship with God is supposed to work. The scriptures tell us that God is omnipresent, that he's always there. So if God is always here, he's always with us, then the only time that you would have to end a conversation with him is if you, for some reason, chose to walk away from him. Right? He, he's right there, always wanting to be in conversation with us. And, and it's this thing that's meant to keep going on. That's what prayer always looks like. Can you imagine for a moment how your mental health would change <laughs> if the moment that you read that news story or that post on Instagram or heard that rumor on campus, you stopped before anxiety or anger started to rise up in you and you just prayed because that was what you were used to doing. You were in this, this lifestyle of praying without ceasing like Daniel was. And, and one of the things that I love about Daniel is Daniel was living in a challenging time period, right? He, he was living in an Israelite nation that had been taken away into captivity. God's people put in captivity in a land that was foreign to them, and he was having trouble having to practice his faith in a day and age where he could be killed for it. And I look at that and I think to myself, man, Daniel knew what was up. And yet here we are, we're living in a challenging time period. We don't have the same challenges as, as Daniel, but every day there's things going on in our nation, there's things going on in our world 
Daniel didn't have to deal with COVID. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like, he knew, even in the midst of all of those challenges, his answer was always to go to the Lord in prayer. And we don't have the same challenges as Daniel, but the challenges that we're facing, our answer should be to always go to the Lord in prayer. Prayer first, prayer always, and prayer is best. In Daniel chapter 9, as you continue in the book of Daniel, you see a bigger picture of Daniel's prayer life. This is what I was talking about earlier when I was saying, like, his prayers weren't these, like, God, thank you for the meal, thank you for this day, amen, kind of thing. It records this lengthy prayer, and I'm not going to read it to you tonight. You can go check it out on your own. It's in Daniel chapter 9. But it's pretty cool because it gives us this look into this, this faithful man of prayer and, and how he prayed. And, and it's this really, he's crying out to the Lord and asking him to come and move on behalf of the nation. And, um, and it's a really special moment. He's, he's fasting during this. And then his prayers are answered by an angelic visit from Gabriel who would later visit Jesus' mother, Mary. And so it's this, this powerful moment where he prays and, and God begins to answer. And I was studying this portion of scripture and, and I realized something about why Daniel would go up into his room, open his windows the way he did, face Jerusalem and pray. And it was really interesting. It's, it's actually something that happened back in 2 Chronicles with Solomon when Solomon was dedicating the temple. So Solomon constructs the whole temple, and he dedicates the temple to God. And he has this long prayer as he's praying and dedicating the temple. And, and then he says this in 2 Chronicles 6, 36-39. Solomon says, If they, meaning the Israelites, sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and give them to an enemy so that they are carried away captive to a land far or near. Now hold on, that's exactly what happened to Daniel, right? The people sinned, God got angry, now they're in captivity. So that seems really applicable here with what Solomon's saying. This is happening years before. Solomon says, yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly, if they repent with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity to which they were carried captive and pray toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name, catch it, see it? Then hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their pleas and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Daniel was doing exactly what Solomon had prayed for years earlier when he dedicated the temple. He was facing Jerusalem, facing where the temple had been, and he was praying to God, come and deliver your people from captivity. You see, Daniel knew that the best way to free his nation from captivity to Babylon was through praying to the God who could free them. It had been shown there in the scriptures and Daniel was following what Solomon had laid out in his prayers. The best thing for them to do was to pray. This made me think of another famous scripture about prayer. The prayers of a righteous man accomplish much. Prayer is our best option because it accomplishes much. 
as I was prepping this, I was thinking back to a time, it was in 2020, the year that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> it was in 2020, everything had just happened with George Floyd, and racial tensions were rising, and COVID was happening, and, um, and my heart was breaking for what was happening in our country. And, and things were just heavy on my heart, and I was going to the Lord about it, and, and I just had such a strong sense that my hope is never going to be in the things of this earth. My hope is always going to be in God, right? And so I just had this sense of like, my hope is not going to be in the government. It's not going to be in this or that. There were all these tensions happening. But, but my hope is in God. And so I did what any uh, sane person would do in that time. I went on the platform for the most civil kind of discourse possible, Facebook. Yes, sir. Yeah. Now I got you guys. And, uh, and I posted about that. I posted about how like, hey, I, I don't think my hope should ever be in government. It shouldn't be in this. It shouldn't be in that. My hope is always in God. And of course, I got some comments, right? And of course, the, the very first comment that was the most uh, antagonistic, we'll say, was from somebody that I hadn't heard from in 15 years, because that's just how it goes, right, on Facebook? Oh, hey, you still see me. Okay, now let's talk. Uh, and, and he started it off with, how dare you? I went, oh, good, this could be fun. <laughs> and he said, like, I'm a person of faith, but, but how dare you tell people not to take action in this time with everything that's going on in our country? And I was thinking about that, and, and I decided to respond to him, and I did it in a, in a kind way and everything, but I was thinking about the issues like racial tensions in our country and all of the other things that are going on. And we need to remind ourselves that our battle is not with flesh and blood. Our, our battle is with principalities, with powers of the air, right? And so, and so I, I just said to that guy, hey, look, I, I wasn't trying to encourage people not to take action, but I've got to tell you, my hope is in Jesus. And that's the best thing that I can do in any time is go to Jesus, no matter what's going on. And we need to remember that as Christians. Like when we get upset about this person or that person doing this or that thing, we need to remember our battle is with principalities and powers of the air. It's not. It's not with flesh and blood. You know, action on the earth is great, but action in the heavenlies is far greater. Far greater. And Gen Z is all about social justice, and I love that. I think it's awesome, but... We need heavenly justice, because heavenly justice gets it right every time. And Gen Z is all about activism. Again, I think that's great. I think it's great that Gen Z wants to be active. There's been too many other generations that just have stood by while things happened. But if, if we're going to be about activism, we need to determine what is the best form of action. And the only way we can do that is by going to God in prayer first. Don't get me wrong, we should never use prayer as an excuse for inactivity, but we should never go to activity before we go to prayer. And if we're not careful, we'll champion all kinds of causes while forgetting the most important cause of all, the cause of the gospel. This is the, the brakes on the car that I was mentioning earlier, right? Like, this is the caution. Don't get distracted. 
And when we're going to him in prayer, those are the kinds of things that we hear from him, like stay focused on what I've called you to. Don't lose sight. And it's also the accelerator. Hey, you want to address issues in our country like racial tensions or this or that going on? Here's the best way to do it. Here's the accelerator. Let me teach you how to do it in a way that pleases my heart instead of just doing it in your own flesh. I mentioned Jesus praying before going to the cross, but the scriptures also make a point of telling us that he regularly withdrew to pray and talk to the Father. He was modeling for us that being with God is more important than doing with God. Being with God is so much more important than doing with God. And I get it, like, it it feels better when we accomplish something, right? We get that dopamine hit from being patted on the back or congratulated on social media. But when we go to God in prayer and then act out of what he tells us to do, we get God's approval, which will always ring louder than the approval of man. Let me just tell you that. (laughs) Some of us really struggle with this. We struggle with the inactivity idea, with going to God first and then acting out of that. And I think it's because We think that our value comes from what we can accomplish. The Lord's had to work on my heart in this way a lot of times over the years. But I want to tell you tonight, your value doesn't come from what you accomplish. Your value has already been determined by God. So prayer is our best option. Have you ever heard somebody say, I've done this before, and I, I... decided, like, I committed my heart to, I'm never going to say that again if I can help it. You know, you're going through a situation, and you feel like you've gotten through every possible option possible, you say, I guess all we can do is pray. Have you ever heard somebody say that, or maybe you said it before, right? Don't minimize the power of prayer. Prayer is not all we can do, it's the best thing we can do, (laughs) okay? It's the best thing we can do. So prayer is first, prayer should be always, and prayer is best. But most of the time when we talk about prayer, we think of it in terms of us talking to God. I found over the years that when I stop to listen, God has a lot to say, believe it or not. (laughs) And often, my life has been changed by what I've heard God say to me in prayer. So I want to take just a minute and talk about you know, listening over talking as we wrap up our time tonight. We have a generation that is full of activity and terrible at sitting still to hear the voice of God. I'm just being real with you guys. Maybe some of you are great at it, and that's awesome. So I'm not trying to rag on you at all. My generation struggles with it too, man, big time. But we will sit for hours playing video games or scrolling through our phone, but we can't sit still for 15 minutes to listen to the voice of God to talk with our creator. In some ways, I think we're physically unable because of how we've trained our brains. And we need to actually begin to slowly retrain our brains to be able to sit and take time with God. I mentioned there's a lot going on in our nation and in our world. Well, we need discernment like never before. And discernment comes through seeking the face of God in prayer. You know, early on in the pandemic, I heard God say something to me, and it kind of hit me. 
it kind of caught me off guard. But I heard God say, we have plenty of preaching, but not enough prayer. Now I realize the irony of the fact that I'm preaching right now as I tell you that. (laughs) But he said to me, we have plenty of preaching, but not enough prayer. You know, in the YouTube and online church day that we live in, we can pull up a sermon from an amazing preacher right in the palm of our hand in a second, right? And I do not want to diminish the power of preaching in any way, so please don't hear me. That's not what I'm saying. The, the, preaching the word is a powerful tool that God has given us that we should never stop doing. But we have plenty of people preaching the word right now. We have access like never before to sermons around the world in so many different languages. But where are the prayer warriors at? We should be talking to God much more than we're talking to men. And we're all very good at talking, but it takes much more work to listen. There's a lot of voices screaming for our attention in this day, but there's only one voice that really matters. As I was finishing up my preparation this morning, the Lord kind of gave me this this revelation. He said, if talking to God in prayer moves the hand of God, then listening to him in prayer moves the heart of God. I'll say that again, and then I'll kind of explain what I mean. If talking to God in prayer moves the hand of God, then listening to him in prayer moves the heart of God. It's like, what does that mean, Lord? Think for a moment about when you sit down in conversation with someone and they just sit and they listen to you. Maybe something's on your heart and you just begin to pour out your heart. And I'm sure we've all had times with God where we've, where we've done that. We've poured out our heart to him and he just sits and he listens and we feel so loved by him in those moments. Now think about the other side. If we would sit and listen to him pour out his heart to us, we could move the heart of God because of the love that we would be displaying in that moment. On the other side, have you ever been around that person that just wants to talk about themselves all the time? and won't let you get a word in otherwise, don't look at anybody. (laughs) Those people really don't make you feel like they care about you, right? Is that the kind of person that you are when you come to God? Again, I'm not trying to tell you that you can't go to God with, with things that are on your heart. We see that modeled for us time after time in the scriptures. It's okay to go to him and pour out your heart and stuff, but there's a time for that. And then there's also a time for listening to his voice. Guys, I'm going to give you a tip, okay? My wife feels very loved when I sit and listen to her. (laughs) And I think it's the same with God. When we sit and we listen to him, something powerful happens. And I realized that listening is an incredible act of worship. Because when we stop to listen to God, we're communicating that we care about what he has to say to us. We're communicating that his voice is more important than our voice. Isn't that worship? 
saying, God, I, I trust you. I want to hear from you. You are so holy. You are so wonderful. You are so amazing. I want to hear what you would have to say to me. We're saying that we love him and we want to know what's on his heart. That moves the heart of God. And so I want to be someone who moves both the hand of God and the heart of God in my prayers. We talk about revival a lot at Elam. Here at the college and in Elam circles, we talk about revival a lot. Every major revival movement throughout history, almost every single one has two things in common. Do you know what they are? College students and prayer. I've worked in college ministry, I've studied this, okay? (laughs) College students and prayer, almost every single major revival movement in history has those two things in common. What would happen if we committed ourselves to prayer like never before? Not just coming and giving him our petitions, but listening to what he would have to say to us and then acting out of that. If we want to see revival happen, that's where it's at. Prayer should be first, prayer should be always, and prayer is best. And so we're going to take some time here, and we're going to take some time to just listen to the Father tonight. I want you to try your best in this time to not just pour out everything you've got on your heart. (laughs) I know it can be hard sometimes. But maybe you've already been doing that throughout the day as you're starting off this prayer week. I know some of you are tired. I'm going to challenge you. Don't be like the disciples in the garden. (laughs) It's so hard, right, sometimes? But don't be like the disciples in the garden right now. Don't fall asleep. Okay, focus in right now. Challenge yourself. Push yourself to, to sit And listen to the voice of God. And I'm believing that as we do that tonight, something is going to happen in this place. Destinies are going to be changed as we begin to hear what God has to say to us tonight. Maybe the future of this campus will be changed. Maybe the future of your hometown or your family will be changed. Maybe you'll hear something. That like me, when I was in college, changes the trajectory of my life. You know, I I wasn't planning to go into ministry. That's why I didn't go to a ministry school. And yet, in prayer, on that campus, when God began to move, and things began to change, and we saw people coming to Jesus, that struck me in a way that changed my life forever. And two years later, I answered that call into ministry with BASIC because of what God had done in me during that time. And now I'm standing before you getting to share this message. And it all started with prayer in college. What destinies is God going to write in this place tonight as we listen to him? So I want to encourage you right now. You can get up, you can move around, you can spread out. Get in a place where you are comfortable, but not so comfortable that you're going to fall asleep. Stay standing if you need to. Do whatever you need to do to to be able to stay awake. But find a spot right now. 
And we're just going to have some very light music pray, uh, going, but I just want you to just take a moment and let's just listen to God. Father, come in this moment. We thank you that you're already here in this place. And Lord, we know that you love to hear our petitions. You love to hear what's on our heart. But tonight, we just want to bless you, Father, by coming and listening to you and seeing what's on your heart. Let our lives be an act of worship as we set ourselves to listen. We come before you.